0: Hello and welcome back to the Disability Collab Podcast, a new initiative to make space for disabled freelancers. I am Lydia Wilkins and I am a freelance journalist covering disability and social justice issues. Your other co-host is Izzy Johnny Friend, a journalist and campaigner covering health, politics and culture. Her work has appeared in places like The Guardian, Half Post and Vice.
1: Our guest today is Rachel charlton Daly, the founder and editor-in-chief of The Unwritten. The Unwritten is a publication written for and by disabled individuals without the inspiration porn or trauma-based content you would see on other such publications. Rachel is also a disability activist and has written for places including Conscious Being, Stylist Magazine, Digital Spy and more. Rachel also runs an Instagram account for her pet sausage dog, Rusty. Rachel, welcome to the Disability Collab podcast. Hi,
2: I didn't know you were going to, uh, I didn't know Rusty was going to play such a big role in this podcast, but here he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was really struggling during the pandemic to write stories uh, that authentically told uh the true story of the issues that disabled people were going through uh both during the pandemic and with our disabilities in general and getting them to land in big publications i was either being told that they weren't newsworthy or that they'd already been covered that week you know because if if uh, a lot of publications have already had a story about disability that month, then they're covered, they're not bothered. Um, so it was just becoming more and more frustrating. And it wasn't just for me, it was for my uh, friends who were also disabled writers and I was just becoming really frustrated. And it was also really getting me down. So. Uh, My best friend, probably after getting really sick of hearing me complain every single day that I wasn't, that like nobody cared about disabled people and nobody wanted to publish disabled stories, went, why don't you start your own magazine? And I don't know how serious she was at the time, but um, I went, okay, I'm going to do it. Can I do it? And then I, I took a minute and I went, okay, I think I can do this. And that's kind of where it came from. I sat down with Caroline and a couple of other friends. Uh, Caroline's my deputy editor and we just came up with this plan and it kind of just sprung from there and I floated it on on Twitter and the response was absolutely amazing. Like it was one of those things where I knew that we had a need for it but I didn't realise just how much we needed it and as I say the response has been amazing. it's no secret that disabled people have been pretty much abandoned by the government during the pandemic and um not to be horrible but they've been kind of disregarded when the world's been opening up again you know like so I wanted a space for uh disabled people to have somewhere where they felt that they could uh, talk, also a community where they felt that they weren't going to be disregarded, because disabled people across all forms of like life, you know, like media in general as well, are massively underrepresented. So, like, I wanted somewhere so they were so they were represented, and although it did come out of the pandemic, the unwritten did come out of the pandemic. It's going to be something that transcends the pandemic and it's not just going to be about it's not just about already not just about pandemic life it's about our experiences that we often don't get to talk about you know because they're seen as not inspirational enough not traumatic enough not interesting enough and we want to be able to tell people that our lives shouldn't have to be all of these things our lives are interesting because they're our lives and that's that's really what disabled people want to be able to tell you know we shouldn't have to have a hook to our lives we shouldn't like when it comes to telling our stories and selling our stories online we shouldn't have to have a inspiration or a trauma hook we should just be able to tell our life stories.
1: I think it's so important I think that there can be this idea that to be in our industry Mm -hmm. we have to talk about for example our disability and that's you know people might Only want us to write about that for example but Mm -hmm. it's very you know we can be disabled writers and not write about disability Mm. or we can write about disability but not in a way that makes it seem that we're sharing stuff that maybe we wouldn't be comfortable sharing but we feel we have to for the like Mm -hmm. for it to get taken Well for people to read it you know people always think that oh you know for example Izzy you've been shielding like you can write about how that's been and how you've not seen anyone for a year and and how your health has declined and sometimes it's like yeah but there are other things I can talk about that is not related to that um and I think with a platform like The Unwritten which doesn't want to do those things and wants to let people write about anything and everything I think it's like a breath of fresh air it's like what we need people to realize no matter what you've gone through you don't have to write about your trauma if you don't want to um and I think that that's so important um and I guess that kind of leads me on to a question how have you experienced and how has it been for you being disabled in the industry oh
2: goodness um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's a big question uh first of all thank you for saying such lovely things you've made me do a famous rachel happy cry that's the daily happy cry thank you so much uh, <laughs> yeah um it's it's been hard it's been i mean it, it's been it's gotten easier over the last couple of years i'll say that i mean up until a couple of years ago i wouldn't have there's a lot of stories that i wouldn't have been able to tell at all because people just weren't interested in. Um, but there's still that underlying thing of, of okay, can you share this? Can you tell us how this felt? What was happening here? Can you give more details? And that's always gonna be something that's always really hard as a disabled person. When when you're just trying to tell something and and tell a story like, say something of a condition that's quite rare, um, I don't want to give too many specific details, but one when I've written stories of, of things that have happened to me that that have been quite rare, um, there's always been that push of uh, trying to get more traumatic details out of people, you know, and like trying to um, trying to make it so it'll appeal to the readers more. And at the same time, um, it's it's almost like telling like it's almost like they're telling me your story isn't worthy unless you, you're going to have these juicy details that are going to give us more for clickbait. And it's hard living in it like as freelance writers. That, that's kind of all bread and butter. That it's it's hard. That it's awful that media lives under this sort of clickbait rules. And I hate seeing so many sites, because they've been monetized by adverts and stuff, having to live under clickbait. And it's like, ugh. I don't want my personal life to be reduced to clickbait. And then there's the things like not being able to work, uh, to do the full-time jobs, the amazing jobs that are advertised, because I'm a disabled person and because I wouldn't be able to do full-time in an office. I was always told those weren't jobs that weren't available to me. And then they suddenly became available to everybody to work from home to work the hours they wanted to during the pandemic, and that was a massive kick in the teeth. So that was really fun. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm start if there's one good thing that I don't want to say the pandemic, but that lockdown has brought, I would say that it's opened up more opportunities. So it's it's made people a bit more lenient towards like uh, disabled writers, so they're more willing to give disabled writers these opportunities. Yeah. yeah, I
1: definitely agree. I think that it's opened up so many opportunities <laughs> oh. and it does worry me about how things are maybe getting less accessible again. And <laughs> I think there's this <laughs> idea that being online was like the next best thing. But <laughs> for for me, at least, it was the best thing because in terms of like, not the best thing of the pandemic, but I mean, like, I was missing out on all these things that I, now I'm not missing out on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now I feel worried that it's getting taken away again, and maybe we'll lose it. And hopefully we won't. But I do know places are saying we want to go back in person, and mm-hmm. I think it's a shame because this accommodation doesn't really cost businesses any money to no. accommodate for us, and it it frustrates me that yeah, that it's being that it could be taken away or it could change again.
2: again Absolutely, in a- like businesses are doing so well from giving people the freedom to work from home and they could have been doing this all along like the only reason that they didn't allow disabled people to do this was because it was seen as giving special treatment and it's it, but it's not special treatment it's just putting us on a level footing you know and it's it's ridiculous that we were never allowed to do this before when it works um what i've seen with the pandemic you know like people just assuming that um. Because everything's come online that everything is automatically accessible to disabled people, but a lot of things that have come online don't have captions, they don't have um, they don't have like sign readers, they don't they don't have um they don't have audio described stuff and it's like, okay, that's great that it's all online, but we still can't access it and you are doing things using, the accessibility that was there for us already. And now you've made it unaccessible, inaccessible, sorry. And it's like, that's not equality for us. That's just, that's not equity for us. That's just you sticking something up and thinking that it's going great, you know? It's like, um, the example I always use is Lego, um, Lego using tactile bricks and, uh, but then they put a video up that had um, that didn't that uh, that had captions, but then didn't have any audio description to tell people about these tactile bricks. Right. Okay. So how are we supposed to know about these tactile bricks? <laughs> no, sorry. It, it wow. had um, yeah. It, it did. not have any. It didn't have any descriptions or anything. Sorry about the tactile bricks on the um on the videos. It, like it pretty much did i get that right yeah it didn't it like yeah it was it was the tactile bricks and it had the captions across the bottom like the video to do with it, it was telling people like these are the lego's first tactile bricks like and it had like i think it had braille on and stuff on the bricks uh, but then but then the video had no sound on it had like music on so people watching the video who were blind wouldn't have been able to know what the video was about and they're calling this equality. And it's like, how, how has that got anything to do with equality? Are you looking for
0: even more disability representation? The Unwritten is a publication for disabled people by disabled people that is all about sharing disabled stories without the inspiration porn. Check them out at theunwritten.co.uk.
2: people say don't batch pitch but I'm I'm the complete opposite if I've got an idea and I am not completely 100% that it's going to get picked up straight away I will pitch it to three or four places at the same time and I think editors know that I think editors know that they're not going to be the um that that they're not going to be like this super unique thing you know because it's it would be churlish to say, like, "Oh, it's such a unique idea. This person must only be pitching it to one of us." When the chances of getting your pitch picked up are so low in the first place, you can't bank all, especially timely pitches. You can't, like, put your eggs in one basket. So, i i have a I have a thing of put of pitching to about three or four places at once, and it's it's very rare that my ideas do get picked up by more than one place. But if they do, I've just got to think on my toes um, and change it slightly. If they do get picked up, and I just—I'm one of those people who my friends are constantly saying that I'm using them for content. So if I get an idea, I'll write it down in my phone. Or I'll write it down on my notepads. I've got like notepads lit around my house constantly. It annoys my husband that I'm picking up pens and writing and things when, when we're in the middle of watching telly. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just. Um, I'll just start, I'll um, so I'll just constantly be thinking of ideas. And in terms of the pitch itself, I'll literally, there's not really an exact science to it, I wouldn't say. I just try and keep it as concise as I can. Uh the head the the subject, I'd always make sure I was what I'd want the headline to be. That's the only like don't keep don't make it vague. Don't make it something like don't make it an idea, make it a headline and um do a couple of short sent. do keep it to a few short sentences and like just just show yourself as much as you can in a pitch I know that sounds really vague but just don't take yourself too seriously because I like I see it myself like in um when as an editor I see some really formal pictures but the formal pictures are not the ones that I would like you know like the sort of magazines I pitch are not places that are going to have like super, super formal dear sir or madam. I had this grand, grandiose idea sort of thing. So I'm going to keep it dead simple. And I get told by a lot of my friends that the reason my work does so well is because I write like I talk and I'm, I'm quite a conversational writer. So I think that helps in getting my pictures picked up as well, because I like, I'll talk to anybody, so I'm not. I don't really get nervous for pitching big editors. I'll just, I'll just rock up in someone's inbox and be like, "Hi, please can I pitch you this idea?" <laughs> Izzy, confession
0: time. Do you ever get nervous when you pitch?
1: Um, I mean, I definitely don't feel shy anymore. Like when I started out, I was like really nervous, like oh my gosh. But now I'm like, no, you know what? Like I have confidence in myself and yeah like it's kind of easy when you don't see people to just be like yeah whatever (laughs) like um I think people need to yeah like especially people starting out just have like more confidence you know like your ideas are good whatever and like yeah I just think maybe people I feel like people are just told, like, you know, don't have too much confidence when you're starting out, but, like, why not
2: do it? I think as women as well, we're told not to be too cocky, not to be too not to be too up ourselves and stuff like that. And it's, like, solve that. Sorry, am I allowed to say that word? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, yeah, you know, like, um, it's, like, why not? Like, big yourself up as much as you can. Like, that's what gets jobs at the end of the day. That
0: is, it's very true. Um, and for people who may be listening, um, we do realise it's very easy to say just have confidence and just dip your oh, away yeah. or do any of that. I just wanted to highlight this because I'm aware sometimes phrases like that can be interpreted as a kind of like a very privileged stance when it's really oh. not meant in that sense, not at all. Oh, yeah.
2: Like, I still get anxious about, like, there is some big editors and I still get anxious about being like oh am I big enough to go in this magazine and and it can be really anxiety inducing but you know the worst they can say is no at the end of the day. Um, at the moment because we do not have much money we are mainly taking timely pictures we're still taking regular pictures as well but it may take a while for us to get to them like I'm talking like a month or so for us to get to them because we've got a mountain of pictures in our inbox but uh you can email us theunwrittenpub at gmail.com send us a pitch we've got a pitch guideline on the unwritten website which is theunwritten.co.uk if you go to the bottom of the website there's a pitching guideline it's like says like pitch us or something i should really know what it says i think it's in pictures (laughs) Uh, hang on i'm checking it says pitch us yes so if you go to the bottom of the website it says pitch us and there's a big pitching guideline and everything that you need to know um yes it'll be myself or caroline that'll read that like i say at the moment we're mostly taking timely stuff so if you've got anything that's to do with the news or to do the with things that are coming up around the year and stuff, uh, we're, ha- we're, we're probably more likely to take stuff like that. Well, we're probably more likely to read stuff like that at a minute. Uh, other stuff, it's going to take us a month or so to get to because we've got a lot in our inbox. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rachel charlton Daly, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast.
2: Um- Absolutely.